A Miraculous Life Deserves a Tremendous Tribute. Welcome to A Long Time Going, with your host, Jamie Williams. Hello, I'm Jamie Williams, and welcome to A Long Time Going, a legacy podcast to memorialize my amazing older brother, John Hunt. John is autistic and developmentally delayed and has been fighting cancer for the last 12 years, but the fight is slowly ending. I want him to live forever, a selfish little sister thing to want. But after being invited to be interviewed at a local radio station and seeing how much my brother loved talking into a microphone and answering questions, I realized that there is a way that John can live forever, and this is it. A miraculous life deserves a tremendous tribute, and this is mine. John remembers. He used to be much better at it, and I don't know if it is simply growing older that is making him forget or if it is removal from the trauma of his childhood. Let me explain. While John remembers growing up in Shelbyville and going to school, while he will remember being happy and enjoying the things that he enjoyed, he has forgotten the pain of being ridiculed and experimented on by doctors who weren't quite sure what was wrong with him. In my own stupidity, I thought for sure these things would always stay with John. It was only when we started talking on this podcast that I realized John was capable either of forgetting or something more complex like repression. It bothered me. The idea of John forgetting was strange, but the idea of him repressing those things, hiding them so deep in his psyche that there might come a day when something triggers them and they would come flooding back, saturated me with a sadness that I cannot explain. But there is a first time for everything. When John was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer over 10 years ago, I don't remember the exact date, but I can tell you that I was wearing a beige cable knit sweater and boots and that I stumbled out of the consultation room into the waiting room and fell on the floor and just wailed. I can tell you that it was my husband, James, who came and picked me up, putting me in the elevator and taking me to the car. I can tell you I remember driving through the dark winter night and that I stopped crying several times, only to reignite a couple of moments later. Never in my life did I consider that my brother would have to battle cancer, especially the kind that leaves a man exposed. No pun intended. I had nowhere to put that in my mind. Yes, there was a file for unfair actions, for anger, for bitterness, but there was no file for this particular malady. I considered the idea for weeks that God was just plain cruel. But John didn't. And when I say he didn't, I mean that he didn't worry or cry or shake his fists at the heavens. Neither did my mother. There is a peace that comes from understanding that everything in life, everything in life, creates a very peculiar, very particular grace, if we allow it. I didn't know that, but I do now. Welcome to Episode 8. There's a first time for everything. All right, John. So, um, how have you been? Well, I haven't been doing too bad. That's that's good. You something happened today, something pretty major. What what'd you get? I got my uh, first COVID shot. That's right. You got the Moderna vaccine. How did it go? Went real good. Did you what did it hurt? No. Wasn't painful at all? No. 
No? You weren't scared? Nope. Okay. All right. So you go back on April 20th, right? To right. get your Okay. And get your second one. And then you have to wait two weeks after that. And then you are uh, going to be available again for public consumption. Right. That's right. You can go anywhere you want as long as you wear a mask, right? Right. Okay. You got something else pretty big this week. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. What was that? Uh, the poster with a used to be the the, Car- the Cardinals when they were in St. Louis. The football Cardinals, football right? Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. We got that from our friend Rachel Wilson. Rachel and Chris have been so good to us. Haven't they, though? Yes, they have over the last few years, and we just, we really love them, and uh, Rachel brought it over, and it was already framed, and she thought John might like to have it, or I think maybe James wouldn't got it, so you're pretty excited about that, aren't you? Yes. I've noticed that you moved some pictures and made room for it right there on your wall. I got a couple friends of mine at at Shell Bonner that are Cardinals fans, and Arizona Cardinals, that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who's that? Thad and Mark Reckwit. They're big Cardinals fans, even though they deserted. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, this week I wanted to t- uh, to start broaching the subject of uh, the the real reason why we're doing this podcast, and that is um, none of us are going to live forever. That's right. And um, I want people to be able to know you even after you're gone, and I think that this podcast is one way to do that. What do you think? I'd like for people to know me. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. So immortality, who says that you can't grab immortality if you've got a good mic set and a brother with a big bedroom, right? I don't, right. <laughs> I don't think anybody would ever say that. That's right. So what, so what I want to talk about with you to, today is um, I want to talk about the first time that you were diagnosed with cancer. It was December of 2009. Do you remember the day? It was I know it was on a Wednesday. I know that. Okay, tell me about that morning. What happened that morning? I think I was starting to go go to the kitchen mm-hmm. for something, mm-hmm. and then maybe out the door uptown. And, and what then, what happened on the way to the kitchen? Well, my mom I th- I th- thought I was kind of limping a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then she calls the doctor's office and gets an appointment for me. Okay, the doctor over there, Clarence, that is. Okay, and then what? And then I get checked out, and then and then, then I get and I get pre admitted to the to the hospital in Columbia. Boone. Boone. Mm-hmm. And then we had to do, they did all kinds of tests, right? Yes. Okay. Um, let's talk about that process a little bit because I have a very vivid memory <laughs> of um, you were not scared at all. You were just, you wanted to find out what was wrong. Yes. Okay. So they gave you this huge, was it a gallon jug? Yes. <laughs> they gave you this huge gallon jug. And what were you supposed to do with that? Drink on it. Drink all of all it. Of it. And, I, I, and how long did they give you? How, how much time did you have to do it? About 30 minutes or an hour. Yeah, it was 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And we had to do it until your excrement. <laughs> That's the only way to He has colorectal cancer, so boy, you guys are going to hear a lot about John in a lot of ways you don't want to know. That, that, that salt was what I did not like, the amount of salt that was in it. Yeah, okay, so they gave, they gave him this water, this stuff, and he had to drink it, and he just couldn't do it. So, do you remember what I did? Not for sure. You don't remember? When got, got me a fresh pair of underpants? Well, yes, I had to do that uh, one or two times. Yeah. But then we decided we were just going to do it, that we were just going to plow through yeah. and um, push through. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> 
get it. Um, and so I made you go in the bathroom. Yes. And I made you sit on the toilet. Yeah. And I sat outside of the bathroom with my back against the door. And you were not allowed to come out until you had drunk drank <laughs> until all of the fluid was gone. Do you remember that, John? Oh, kind of. Okay. And so I sat there and every five minutes I would hand it in and you would take a drink and then you would talk about how disgusting it was and then you would hand it back out. And then I'd wait five minutes and I'd hand it back in. And you know what? And like, what was it? 35 or 45 minutes? We got you prepared. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then what, what procedure did they do? Like, um, one that required Dr. Gerhardt's attention. And Dr. Gerhardt is a gastroenterologist, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. And that was, they did a colonoscopy. Yes. Uh, and then that is when they discovered that you had a, was it a three-inch tumor? Something like that. A three-inch tumor just inside uh, the rectum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so what what happened after that? You got me there. You don't remember? No. The surgery. Surgery. They went in to do surgery, and in order to get all of the cancer, they had to remove your rectum. Yeah. Yeah. You had a rectumectomy. <laughs> you know, so, some of these things I've gotten kind of sidetracked. I know. Well, who would want to remember something like that? I don't that? think I would. Yeah. And so you went to bed. You They put you out, and when you woke up, you had a colostomy bag. Yeah. And you were, and the doctor informed us that the way that they had had to do the bag, you were going to have to wear and use the bag for the rest of your life. Yeah. How did you feel about that? I felt like it was the best thing. And, so you didn't, you weren't upset about it? No. Were you grossed out by it? At the onset. At the onset you yeah. were, but then you got used to it, didn't you? Yes. And you, you're able to take care of your ostomy by yourself. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's go back to uh, that first the diagnosis of cancer and you wake up from the surgery and they tell you that you have cancer and they stage it, uh, depending on which scale you're using, but it was a stage four. Right. And they weren't sure you were going to live. Yeah. That's what's scared. That's the part that scared me the most. You didn't act scared though. No. Why didn't you act scared? Didn't know what was going to happen. So, okay. But you, did you feel apprehension at all? Like, was there any fear? A little bit. And how did you deal with that fear? I dealt with it. I dealt with it pretty good. You did? Yeah. You have this habit of um, when something bad happens or something kind of traumatizes you, you will go into this dialogue and you have it with yourself. Like back in your bedroom, you used to do it. You will yeah. talk about it and you will reason it out with yourself. Yeah. Is that, in, in your mind, is that kind of a way that you deal with trauma? A little bit. What are other ways? Um, I don't know. Just putting it out of my mind a little bit. Right. So, did you ever cry? No. You didn't cry? No. Because I did. Oh, I figured you did. When I went in after the surgery and they showed me all the stuff, I went out into the waiting room. Yeah. And I just dropped to my knees and I cried. I was so angry. I bet so. Were you angry? I would say I would have to been in a way. And who were you angry at? Cancer. You were angry at cancer. Yeah. Were you ever angry at God? Not really. No? No. Were you ever angry at mom or me? No. No? No. Hmm. And I got one. May I make one correction? Absolutely. I mean, on the, back when I had to 
have that that transfusion. Uh huh. That when the weather was so cold. Uh huh. That was back in January of that year. Oh, okay. So I just thought, well, I better make a correction on that. Where did we? When did we say that it was in February? I think it was the last podcast. Oh, okay. All right. So okay. All right. So we 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 this editorial has been brought to you by. Jamie and her horrible memory. The blood transfusion was in January, not February of 2010. Okay. All right. So we get this diagnosis in November. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think, wasn't it December? Was it December? Yeah, December of 2000. For some reason, December 10th sticks out to me. Does that sound right to you? A little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Okay. And so how long were you in the hospital the first time? I'm going to say three or four days, roughly. Okay. And how long did it take you to get used to using the uh, ostomy? I think it took me a little while. Okay. And did you, but you you just kind of kept with it, right? Right. And you learned to take care of it all by yourself. Right. Okay. That was a big deal. Sure was. That was something that um, both mom and I were concerned about, but... You handled it like a pro. What is the most frustrating thing about the ostomy now that you have the colostomy? Well, not the not being able to use a toilet bowl like I used to. Right, because we've we're not going to talk about that this that this week. But then you also had to have the urostomy bag. Urostomy bag too. Right. So the colostomy did it scare you at all? The colostomy bag, were you worried that it would, like, break? Not really. Okay. And then you carry supplies with you everywhere you go. Yeah. Right? Right. Right. Um, so, do you ever, like, when you look back on that, because that was life-changing. Wasn't it, though? Yeah, it was. It was life-changing. Um, and do you ever look back and think that it's not, that it wasn't fair? Try I try not to. You try not to think no. that it's why. Brings bad memories. It does. Does yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can totally see that. And you'd rather be happy. Right. Do you believe that being happy is a choice? I would have to say so, yes. And do you believe that you've stayed happy even with all of the battles that you've had to fight? Yes. You have. Mm-hmm. What is one thing that makes you happy in spite of cancer? Thankful that I can still be on the planet. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a a philosophy of life then, John? I believe I do, sis. What is that? What's your philosophy of life? Um, Trying to live as long as I can. Mm Mm-hmm. And try to um, keep up on all the um, athletics, football athletics. Right. Okay. get 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 to be the... Clock and scoreboard operator for the Optimus. Okay. So those you just take life one day at a time. Right. And look forward to the small things. Right. Okay. All right. So another thing that I wanted to talk with you a little bit about was, um, is the fact that you are autistic. Right. Do you know that? No, I do. I think I do now. Right. And do you understand how that makes you different? Delay of speech. Delay of speech. Okay, what else? Gosh, that's a tough one there. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you 
Are you aware of your emotions, John? A little bit. You can tell when you're mad. Yeah. I know when you're mad at me. (laughs) Definitely. The world does. (laughs) But so I, one of the things that your autism, and we didn't know you had autism until you were diagnosed at what, 35? Something like it. Was when we took you to see that doctor in Kirksville. Right. Right. Um, And so one of the things with your autism is that you're not an emotional person, are you? No. Not at all? No. Like, what is something that has made you cry? Well, so I like loss of a family member. Did you cry when mom passed? Oh, I knew. I suspected that it was going to happen. So you didn't cry? No. Okay. All right. No, that's fine. Hell yeah. I'm just, I'm working around to this idea that when most people are told that they have a stage four colorectal cancer and they're going to have to have a rectumectomy, I'm not real sure what the, that's the right word, but I really do enjoy saying rectumectomy. I get you. So you say it. Rectumectomy. Rectumectomy. That's right. So they literally cut you a new one is what yeah. they did. So, um... When, when, when a, a, a person who's not autistic and who has full emotional capabilities, and please don't, don't think that I'm uh, trying to put people into uh, categories or essentialize autism in any way at all, because I know each person on the spectrum is on a different place on the spectrum and it's so different for everyone. But one of the things with John is that you don't have, so one of the things that um, when people are diagnosed with stage four any type of cancer, actually, probably stage one, two, three, or four. The thing that comes into play the most, they say, is that their emotions just take over. True. And they get scared. Right. And they give in to that fear. Mm-hmm. And then that creates like a defeatist attitude, which doesn't give them the strength to fight it. Do you believe that might be true? Um, I kind of have my doubts on that. Really? Yeah. Do you think that you had a defeatist attitude when you were, do you know what a defeatist attitude means? Okay. All right. A defeatist attitude means that you just give in and you, you, you believe that cancer is going to win. Did you ever have that kind of attitude? Well, I might have at the, at the very beginning. Okay. Diagnosed. Okay. But what did you, how did you, how did you help yourself out of that? Do you remember? I tried to um, not think about it. You tried to not think about it, but it was right there with you all the time. Yes. Did you pray? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Do you believe in God? Yeah. Do you believe that he loves you? I think so. Okay. I, I believe that he loves you. I believe that I he uses so. you. Yeah. As a, a, um, I believe that you're a walking ministry. I I really do. But, um, John, do you think that there was any relationship between you surviving, and I don't just mean making it through stage four colorectal cancer. I mean, you thrived through that experience. I mean, the chemo wasn't as hard on you as they thought it would be. The radiation wasn't as hard on you as they thought it would be. And it wasn't an easy thing for you, but you came out and they declared you cured, didn't they? Yeah. And how did you feel about that? I felt pretty good about that. Felt good. What do you think the difference was? That I'm not sure. I think the difference was your autism. Yeah, I bet it was. You think? Yeah. I think I'd say I'd have to say it, it was. Because you, you know, admittedly, you're not a real emotional kind of guy, you know. Yeah. And um, 
So maybe the autism was actually helpful in your case. Yeah. Because you never got down. You know? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I believe I do. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Does it make you sad to think about that? Well, I would say so-so. Okay. All right. So it doesn't... Let me ask you this. Are you angry that you had cancer? No. You're not? Why not? I don't. Well... In that case, I should be a little angry that I had I don't know. You, you know what? Your feelings are just that. They're your feelings. So tell me. Because I, 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 cancer is a killer, you know. I know. So that's the part That's the part I was angry about. I'm right. Angry at. Right. But you never got angry with, like, like, with God, with the circumstances, with the doctors? No. Nope. What was your, I mean, what was your, uh, what kept you strong? They, all the... The operations they did on me and the rest. Yeah. Did you feel like you had a good support system? I say, I would say yes. I would say yes, too. Yes. And that goes back to your home, you know, our hometown. Right. Shelbyville. Right. And so why don't you tell me what the Moonshiners did for you the first time you were diagnosed with cancer? Well, the, they put on a, a benefit, benefit dinner down at the Moonshiner Hall. In Shelbyville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That morning I got the, got the call from, or mom got the call from Kelly Ray. Mm-hmm. And he asked if it was okay if we, if they did, if the Moonshiners did that. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. Yeah, um, you did. Yes, yeah. And so uh, there's 645 people in Shelbyville. Yeah. And they raised, they served barbecued, what was it, barbecued pork. Something like that. And they had homemade pies and cakes for dessert. Mm-hmm. And it was in the Moonshiners Hall, and the Moonshiners Hall was packed. They had had people who donated all kinds of stuff, and they they gave Mom the check yeah. afterwards, and it was over $10,000. Wow. For you, John. Yeah, I figured. I knew it was. I knew it would be that much. I, suspect, I suspected that that, that time it would be, to be that much. Really? Yes. I mean, I can't even imagine how many people came to that. That was a lot. There was a lot. Yeah. The line for the food was out the door, and it was in the middle of January. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think it was right after the first, right after the, the new year began. Was it? Yeah. Okay. That, that been January the third, twenty ten. Do you remember that? Yeah. Night? Yeah. And and we, you got, you went to the benefit, mm-hmm. but we had to have a chair for you to sit yeah. in so that you could because you were in pain. Yeah. All the time. Right. 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 Tell me what that pain felt like. It was kind of driving me. I felt. Do you remember? Kind of. Like, kind of like felt kind of painful to stand up. Right. Did it feel painful to sit? Not too bad. Okay. So, but, but was it throbbing, dull, sharp? I would say dull. It was dull pain. Yes. Okay. All right. So, um, but you made it through it. Right. You made it through that first round. Mm-hmm. And then three years, was it three years later they declared you cured? Three, four. I think so. Somewhere in there. Yeah. But you were clear. I mean, you were completely clear. Yes. Yeah. And so you did beat cancer. Yeah. You beat it. Yes, I did. I did. How does that feel? It feels good. Does it? Yeah. Tell me about what good feels like. Do you feel strong? Yes. Feel strong. You feel strong. Yes. Even today, you feel strong. Yes. Even after it's come back twice. Yes. And it's not going to go away. No. You know that this time, yes. don't you? How are you facing that? How are you dealing with that? I'm taking it pretty good thus far. You are. You are. 
All right. Well, I think that's all I have, John. Uh, thank you so much for always sharing with us. You betcha. Um, the first, uh, the first diagnosis of cancer was uh, just a, a kind of a baptism for us, really, because mm-hmm. it would be the second and this third and final bout that would really, you know, hold it. That would really hold our heads under for a long time. Absolutely. So, but John, I have to tell you, even though I'm your sister and I get on your nerves, <laughs> that you are my hero. Well, thanks. Glad and to be. I think that you are absolutely amazing. And I know a lot of people who share that sentiment. And um, I just thank God every day that you are my brother. I thank God you're my sister. No, you don't. Don't lie. <laughs> you're lying. God knows when you're... He's going to strike... We've got electrical equipment all over the place. He's going to strike us down. Oh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> I know that I get on your nerves. Oh, yeah. But you're my hero. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to happen because I follow you around like a puppy dog. Oh, I get you. Not really. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, John, for opening up with us as much as you can. You betcha. About your first bout with cancer and... um it was good to sit down and talk with you. It was good to visit, too. Yep. So I go back and think about that summer when John went to his first Relay for Life. How important it was for us all to be there, for all of us to show up for John. How I cried when John carried the banner and led the survivor's walk. How proud I was and how stupid to think that was the end of it. It could have been the end. It should have been the end. I prayed to God that it would be the end. But there was another plan, a plan I couldn't have foreseen or put into place myself. God had and has intentions for John's life. John is a ministry. I can't explain how or why, But I know that he is a ministry. He survived it once, and he survived it a second time. But now, there has to be acceptance. There has to be a greater gift of mercy and grace than I am ready to give. But there is a first time for everything. If you enjoyed A Long Time Going, we would love for you to consider subscribing and also following us on Facebook at A Long Time Going Podcast. Thank you for sharing your time with us today, and we will drop a new episode every Sunday evening, so feel free to check out all of the episodes at alongtimegoing.buzzsprout.com.